Hey everyone, and welcome to the New Visionary Podcast, a podcast for artists who are ready to reach greater heights in their art careers. I'm your host, Victoria J. Fry, founder of Visionary Art Collective and New Visionary Magazine. Join me for inspiring conversations with some of the most inspirational visionaries in today's art world. Let's jump in. Hey, artists, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are chatting in with Lisa Zhirkovskaya, a Toronto-based curator, also known as Curator on the Go. And Lisa is a gallerist. She's also an art advisor and the founder of Kefi Gallery. For nine years, Lisa has worked directly with corporate and private clients to acquire original art and has brought hundreds of artworks to the public eye. I'm so excited for today's conversation. Lisa, welcome, welcome. Thank you, Victoria. It's such a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity. Oh, I can't wait to have you on and to share a little bit more about your journey as a curator, as a gallerist, as an art advisor with our listeners today. Lisa, I would love to just jump in and learn a little bit more about how you started as a as a curator. Like, where did it begin? Tell us all the things. Yeah, that's a really great question because I haven't thought about being a curator right right away. <laughs> Basically, I did my undergrad in art history. So I've been enjoying art since I was little. I was drawing. I went to an art school. So I was passionate about everything I was doing with my hands and going to galleries. And then doing the program after finishing it, basically, I had to make a choice whether I want to be an art history teacher for the years to come or experiment and see what else is available in the industry because I was new. I didn't know what commercial galleries or galleries in general were doing. So I went and searched for internship opportunities and I got to work with an amazing local artist. Her name is Jessica Gorlicki, who used and still has her studio slash gallery. So right from the beginning, I got into the commercial gallery world. I helped her with selling works renting out the studio for exhibitions and events. And I also at that time thought that the a lot of artists out there need help with everything they're doing. So I started working as a curator, organizing shows for them and independently. And from there, it just went on. That's amazing. It's so cool to hear. Like, I feel like we've had a few curators on the podcast and everyone's journey is different, but it always starts or usually, you know, with a love and appreciation of art. And that's really cool. And I'm thinking back, I mean, we met last, I think it was April at the Art Expo in here in New York City. I can't believe that was already like almost a year ago. I know, that's crazy. And that's another thing I'm doing with artists. I haven't been done it for a while, but I took an artist and I helped her set up the booth and sell her work at the fair. It was such an amazing experience and knowing that artists, a lot of them don't want to be at the fairs on their own. <laughs> uh, working with a curator was a great experience for both of us. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, your booth was, it was gorgeous. The work was so powerful. And I think you're right. I mean, for a lot of artists, they want that support. It can feel a little scary when you're participating in a big expo like that. And also, you know, we we talk a lot on the podcast about how artists are usually left to f- kind of figure things out for themselves a lot of the time. And um, I think there could, could be and should be more support in place. So I love that you're providing that support. Thank it's you. important. Yeah. 
it's important. Of course. And again, it all depends on the artists. Some of them are superstars. They're amazing. And they will be able to rock the floor and do the fairs on their own. But there are a lot of them out there who are still emerging, learning out and asking for support is okay. And it's really important to invest into yourself and your practice. A hundred percent. It's so important. And uh, it's a theme. It's something we've talked a lot about uh, this season is just um, you know, community and asking for help. And it's interesting. I, I have a membership for artists and before it was the membership that it is right now, it was a book club. And I remember we had a session, I think last year, the year before, where we talked about asking for help. And so many of the artists in that group shared that it was really challenging for them to ask for help. We had a really beautiful and and meaningful discussion around why this can be so challenging but I think that even if it is something that feels hard for you, just knowing that when you take that step and you do ask for help, it does benefit you when you're working with someone who is a little bit further along in their journey and can provide you with that individual support. So I love I that agree. you're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes like I offer consultations for artists on different levels and for some, one consultation a year will be more than enough. They will get all the next steps to do for the year and they're great. For others, it might take a few sessions and that's okay too. I think my biggest advice will be for you as an artist, if you're trying to work with an advisor, a consultant, a coach, just um, ask maybe other artists who've been working with that person before or ask for testimonials because there are sometimes I hear things like, oh, that person just chatted for an hour about something that wasn't about my practice. Just find someone who will resonate with you, who is a who has great personality and who will definitely help you. Totally. It's finding someone you trust is so important because as an artist, like your work is so vulnerable. It's an extension mm-hmm. of you. And it's a very, especially for emerging artists, it's a beautiful and very delicate and somewhat fragile thing. You know, it's like a little seed that you're growing and you're nurturing and you need someone that understands you and your work and your practice and can help you to grow and nurture and sort of cultivate that as well. So I love that you do that. I mean, we have so much to chat about because I know you work with artists directly as well, but just dialing it back to curating a little bit, I wanted to ask you like, what has been the most impactful or rewarding part of curating for you? For me, it's been merging the artist, the creator, with the general public and uh, finding the opportunities to bring art to galleries, but also to spaces outside of the white cube spaces. So last year I worked with um, a real estate company and we uh, put artworks on as vinyls on empty retail stores. So it was a great opportunity for people to enjoy art while they were walking to work, from walk, just in the area. And this year I'm working with them to create vinyl artworks on the windows. So even more people from the outside will be looking and enjoying art. So for me, it's very important to support artists, find another opportunity for them to create work digitally or um, on canvas, whatever medium they do and license it too. Amazing. That's beautiful. I think increasing visibility is such an important thing. And, um, you know, I had the the fortune and, and absolute pleasure of collaborating with you for our uh, exhibition, which was centered on, you know, like navigating a post-pandemic reality and how the pandemic impacted artists. And I think that theme was and still is 
so relevant. What shifts or changes like have you noticed since the pandemic? Is there anything that comes to mind in terms of, I mean, it's kind of a broad question, but just in, in your work with artists and your work with collectors? Yeah, I think we're still navigating the unknown, to be honest with you. And every year is a challenging year with the economy or whatever is happening in the world in general. For me, I saw a big um, spark of interest in arts during the pandemic, especially 2020, 2021 was great for everyone. I think galleries, artists, sales-wise, people were online, they were redeveloping their homes, they were spending more time indoors. So they finally thought that that's a good time for me to decorate my space. So it was, in general, a great experience. Last year, I think, was tough for a lot of us in the industry, uh, no matter how um, experienced you are or how many years you've been painting. So there was a lot of shift in terms of collector's attitude of what to collect. So I found personally when traveling to expos, so we've done Expo New York and last December in Miami, that people were buying more blue chimp or well-established artists as a safer way for them to invest into something these days versus supporting an emerging artist or a new or mid-level gallery. Did you find something like this in New York? Yes, yes. And it, it's so interesting because we just did a podcast episode uh, with an artist who was full-time and was sharing that the last year was a tough year, but the year before was actually really lucrative. And so I think it's constantly ch- changing. And like you said, I think we're yes. all s- still navigating what advice would you give to an emerging or you know an early career artist who is working to increase visibility, grow and expand their collector base? I think it's all about being present and being visible and sharing your story. And it can be through different channels. Not all of us enjoy Instagram or being in front of the camera all the time, and that's fine too. Maybe you're a better email writer. And contacting people that way will be your strategy and your way to build new relationships. Some artists are great on Instagram, and it's still one of the best way to get more eyes on your art, whether it's a collector or galleries. Or going in person is another way, too. I think it's more finding what works with your type of personality or how you want to, what's your business model basically is, and knowing the business side of the art and having a structure to your business, as well as finding what is very unique about you and your work, but how it relates to the world in general. Beautiful. I think that's so true. It's like working to your strengths and knowing what those strengths are. And I agree. I mean, Instagram is something I talk about probably too much. (laughs) Some of our listeners might be like, oh my gosh, she's talking about it again. But truly, I think it's the most powerful tool that artists have. Um, But it's knowing, you know, if if Instagram is something that feels a little bit uncomfortable for you, then easing in and just thinking about like what feels right. Um, You brought up email writing. I think email marketing, you know, I agree. It's like such a, such a valuable tool as well. And just being present. I love that. Showing up. I've started to say like, you know, show up persistently rather than consistently because it's going to look different. But yeah, great advice. I was also curious because I know you work with artists on a pretty regular basis. In your sessions, like, have you noticed 
how would I say? I don't know if I would say like trends or patterns or just, you know, I, cause I've also been working with artists for several years and I've noticed that there are certain topics that tend to come up a lot. So I was wondering if you see that as well with your artist clients. Yeah. Surprisingly enough, the most popular topic for the last couple of months have been portfolio critique. A lot of artists are getting to that point, maybe they're not selling that much and they're thinking that there's something wrong with their art. So that's a great opportunity for them to come back to me. And we talk a lot about um, visuals, of course, but also the messaging behind the work, because it's as important these days, like your concept, how you present yourself. Another, obviously, is marketing, whether it's social media or newsletter writing, things like that. But also the easy things like how to reach out to galleries and how gallery representation uh, works. Because a lot of artists, like I would say at least 50%, maybe more, would love to be gallery represented artists and try to avoid doing a lot of marketing themselves. It's a dream and I think it's still doable, but I usually recommend and say that even if you sell mostly in galleries, you still need to be active and share your story and your voice. Like I've uh, listened to one of uh, my colleagues talking about selling um, art of living artists and dead artists, deceased artists. So it's way easier to sell something from an artist who is still living because you can share your story and everything versus a deceased artist. So use this opportunity to share your story and um, spark curiosity of the collectors. Great advice. And I, I totally agree with you because the other thing too, and this is the reality, I think sometimes, and this happened to me, which is you can get gallery representation. And then if that gallery closes, you know, I share the story of how like the first gallery that ever represented me, it was so amazing. They were selling my work and I felt like I didn't have to do anything. And then when they closed, I was like, wait, what do I, what do I do now? This is <laughs> this, like, this feels so scary and I don't know how to navigate all of this. And so I think for many reasons, also, it's just like taking ownership and full responsibility for your career and, uh, and like seeing a gallery or getting ga- gallery representation as sort of a cherry on top and an added bonus, but already being in the flow of building your own collector base and marketing your own work and promoting and showing up for yourself. I think it's like so, and also I think that's very attractive to galleries as well. Yes, absolutely. They want to make sure that if their clients are Googling your name, they want to be able to go to your website or Instagram, whatever is active, learn more about you and your work in general and come back to the gallery and say that they've done their research. They're feeling confident that the work is worth investing in. Yeah. And and actually speaking of galleries, you are the founder of Kathy Art Gallery. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how it started and how it's evolved? Yeah. Um, gallery, it's another passion project of mine. I started it the first year of the pandemic where I was staying home and finally had an extra time to collect all the artists I've been working with in basically one website, one place for all of the collectors to go in, explore on their own and select something based on their taste, things like that. And it's been, what, three, three, three and a half years now. Um, and I've been um, getting a bit more artists, um, working with corporate and private clients. And my motto with the gallery has been support female artists. So I would say 75% of the artists I represented the gallery are female. 
but also developing their careers to the next level, meaning searching for media opportunities for them, trying to put their works in corporate clients, um, corporate collections in general, not just sit and wait for people to click and acquire something, but also work with them as partners and grow together. Beautiful. And like, I'm thinking about artists that are listening to this right now and might be thinking, well, how do I get my work into corporate collections? And what does that process entail? Can you shed any light on that process and what it looks like? um, It honestly depends on uh, the clients and the way they operate. Some of them, like biggest banks, for example, they will have their own curators. So for artists, if you're reaching out directly, you might be even uh, able to Google those people and just send an email with your portfolio or find a local um, art consultants or advisors who are working with the bigger clients and again, introduce your portfolio to them or even start donating your work to bigger um, charity organizations where your name can get out into the world, into the local community where the same clients, corporate clients will go to those charity auctions and see your work and might be um, interested to learn more about you. So there are different ways, but I would say whether work with your gallery, if you're represented by a gallery and speak about those interests of yours or work with an independent consultant. Great. Uh, That's really, really valuable advice. Which kind of leads me to my next question, which is what, I mean, you, you know, you have a gallery, you're a curator, um, what, what do galleries look for? I mean, I'm just thinking, cause so many of the artists that listen to this podcast are emerging artists or at the very start of their careers. And I often share what I believe galleries are, are looking for, but I'd love to get your perspective on this. Yes, of course. And I've been, uh, working at different galleries, um, before. So I know different, um, gallery owner types Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and based on like their business models and everything. So as we all know, there are commercial galleries are usually the galleries that sell your work on a consignment basis. So it's usually a 50%. Um, They pay you if they sell, so they don't pre-purchase your work. um, And you just uh, bring the inventory in if they agreed to work with you. Um, One of the things I would say they look at uh, is the consistency of your work. So want to make sure that you will be able to produce the work. If they sell it out right away, they want to make sure that you are not represented by too many galleries, especially locally. So they don't want to have competition or they might be asking for exclusivity. And that's another factor that you also need to consider and think, is it something that works with you? Obviously like the style where you've been showing before, Or if you're an emergent artist, for example, who haven't built your CV yet, maybe go to the galleries that mostly focus on group shows and bring in artists who are not always part of their collection, but maybe they feature two or three new artists every month just to rotate and refresh the inventory. That will be the easier way for you to get in. And a lot of gallery owners try to quote unquote, try an artwork with their clientele before committing to full representation. But it also a way for you to learn how the gallery operates and see if you can trust them, if you like their style, if your work is showing and it's not hidden in the basement because I can talk for hours. 
about those things where you can just bring your work and then it's never on the wall. So also ask uh, other artists what they think about the gallery or if they're already in the gallery, will they recommend working with the galleries? But I would say good portfolio, having enough works. It's not just two or three, but if you have a consistent like collection that you can present right away um, and from there, just making sure that your personality matches with the personality of the gallery owner. Absolutely. I think that, I mean, amazing advice and thank you for sharing that. And something I've shared on the podcast before is like galleries, I think, you know, like it's, it's, the same relationship you would have really with anyone in the sense that if you're entering a business relationship, you know, being on time and being reliable, answering your email. I mean, these sound like such obvious things, but I will tell you that when we were creating the schedule, like, cause I opened a space, uh, you know, an exhibition space, a gallery, uh, here in Brooklyn. <laughs> and as I was thinking about artists whose work I wanted to show, and there's so many, and it's, of course, there's only a certain number of exhibits you can have per year. So it was very, very difficult to narrow it down. But of course, I was thinking about that, you know, who, especially last year when we had our first exhibition at the new space, I was actually thinking, I don't know if I would say I was thinking about this more than the work itself, because of course, I'm thinking about what work is going to fit with the space and is going to appeal to our audience and what kind of work do we want to show. And, you know, as our, it was our first um, exhibit, but I was thinking so much about who I would want to work with in terms of like, you know, I was thinking this is the first time that I'm opening a gallery and it's our first exhibition. So I want to make sure that I'm working with an artist who I know is going to answer my emails in a very timely manner, who I know is going to be flexible if anything comes up, because I'm also navigating this as a new gallery owner and someone who, yeah, is just going to be like going through this process with me who I can really trust and I know is going to show up and be present. And so I think those things are so important and just not to be forgotten. So I appreciate you highlighting that as well. Yeah. And I think the first uh, thing you need to think about right away, if you get a contract or not from the gallery, because that's the indication whether the gallery takes their uh, business seriously or not as well as inventory lists. Like I know a lot of stories where artists drop off works into the galleries and they, they don't get any signed papers of whatever was dropped off at the gallery. And then what happens if the gallery closes tomorrow and there is no way for you to prove that you dropped the pieces? Yeah, Making sure that it's all recorded, that you have a contract and uh, all the rules and everything is there. Yes, Absolutely. Also, like, it makes me wonder at when an artist is considering a gallery, if there's a gallery that they're really interested in, are there like top questions that you can think of for an art, for an artist? Because I always say to artists, when you're working with a gallery, it's got to be the right fit for you too. Um, and I think mm -hmm. sometimes that gets, you know, is forgotten a little bit because so many artists see getting a gallery representation as like this amazing thing. It's the ultimate goal, the ultimate dream, which I think it is. If it's a great gallery that really supports your work and your vision, it's such a beautiful and special thing. Um, but also it has to be the right fit for the artist. So what are some questions that, that would be helpful for artists to keep in mind when they have that initial conversation? Yeah, I think in general, you need to know the business model of the gallery, whether they relate solely on the walk-in traffic or maybe they're doing art fairs. Like what are the ways that they promote their artists? 
And that really makes a big difference because if someone just relying on people coming through the doors without doing that much marketing, will it means that you will sell a lot? That's a question. You might be, you don't know. Um, also, maybe things like how many artists they have, uh, how often they uh, accept new artists, because you also want to make sure that they don't rotate or accept and then um, re-sign the artist right away. That might be also red flag. Um, and also how often they rotate shows and do they offer their artists solo shows or like dual shows and how you will be working with them on like the show basis. Is it just always group shows that a lot of galleries do, or there is like maybe every two years or so you will have your solo show. Great. That that's really good. Um, yeah. To keep in mind, I think ultimately you want to know what it's going to look like and how it's going to go. And I think, you know, you mentioned the exclusivity part before, and a lot of artists will ask me that they'll, they'll ask like, if I'm represented by one gallery, can I be represented by another? And I'm like, well, it really depends because some are more strict with their, um, you know, how they operate in terms of the exclusivity and others not as much. So I think it really varies. Is there something you tend to see more often than not? Like, would you say it depends on the size of the gallery or like what factors go, would you say go into a gallery that wants to be, to have that exclusivity versus a gallery that's a bit more flexible? Yeah, I think it all depends on the gallery, to be honest with you. Most of the time I see like mid-tier galleries, they do their own city or like 60, 50 kilometers radius around the gallery. The biggest like or the high-end galleries will usually do province or state or the country, again, depending on the artist. Like I know some artists who will just passionately work with one gallery that will represent them across the country and they sell well and that works for both. I know some artists who will be showing in different states or provinces. Again, it's case by case scenario, but I'm also a strong believer that you should only have one gallery representation, max two, preferably one in, in one city, because you don't want to create an impression that your work is mass produced, that there's too many of the pieces in too many places for clients to go in, look and buy. It's not an Ikea store, so you're producing an original art. Maybe um, also for reaching different types of clients, find some like a gallery in your city, outside, maybe different countries, but don't try and pressure yourself to find a few galleries in your own city. You're just not going to, uh, it's not going to benefit your, like your own um, selling aspect, but also the galleries might not even want to work with you because it's going to be too much competition for them. That's really good advice. So, I mean, because I know some artists who have, you know, are represented by multiple galleries, but I'm thinking like, yeah, they're all in, for the most part, they're in different cities. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's really good. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. I want to pivot a little bit because I also want to ask you, I mean, we've talked about your work as a curator. We've talked about Kathy Art Gallery, uh, but I wanted to just chat with you a little bit more about you know, working with artists and like what has been the most, what led you to start working with artists directly? What has been the most impactful part of that? And also if that has impacted your work at all as a curator or as, as a gallerist and, you know, everything is so connected, but would just love to hear a little bit more about it. Yeah. Uh, working with artists really started again, going back to my experience working with the artist in her gallery 
um, I was her assistant for quite a while. So I was helping her to do basically everything from marketing to email outreach, going to different events. And you can see that artists, most of the time, they stay in their own studios alone, eager to work, sell, promote themselves most of the time, but they either are too busy producing the works or just need a little bit of a guidance of where to go next. Um, so from there, I started working with a few artists, most of the time going to their studios, like looking at the works, thinking about the opportunities of what can be done next, whether like how to reach the galleries and things like that. Or can I even myself organize a show? Like I worked with a few artists who we just rented out a space. It wasn't even a gallery. It was just a venue where we curated and organized a show for, for a week or a couple of days. Um, and that was basically like if you have your own clientele and if you're an artist who might not work with a gallery yet, it's a great opportunity for you to establish your clients, also invite gallery owners to see your work in a venue because not everyone will go to your studio, but they might go to a public space where they can bring their friends, family, whoever, and have like a nice time and meet with you. So you can, again, you can create your own opportunities. There is nothing wrong about that. Um, but right now, most of the time I'm doing consultations virtually uh, because um, it's it's very busy time for me with um, the gallery and everything, but also making sure that artists um, have basically like for me, my goal is having next steps. I always give them homework saying like this year, what is your major goal? And again, it might change in, in a couple of months or even uh, tomorrow. You might accomplish whatever you envisioned to accomplish, um, making sure that you can pivot based on whether you achieved it or not. Uh, but making sure, like, for example, this year I want to get a gallery representation, what I need to do, like step one, two, three, ten. Or um, I want to show it an art fair. What are, what are my next steps? Or I want to sell X amount of paintings this year. What do I need to do? And again, depending on what are the goals and how you can pivot if something is not working. Yes, yes. And I think that flexibility is so important. And also just honestly, having the ability to honestly and objectively evaluate yourself and your work and what your goals are in a way that is not critical or, or judgmental, but just being like, you know, okay, are my goals this, not it, sometimes it's even multiple times a year. It's like, are my goals this quarter the same as last quarter? Have they shifted? Um, and I, actually, I did want to ask you because you mentioned sales. Do you have advice for we've we've talked a little bit on the podcast about selling work, and you know I've shared some strategies for increasing sales and expanding your collector base for artists who are doing this without a gallery. What advice would you give to artists who are just starting to sell their work? Because I know it can feel really intimidating, and part of it is like getting over the mental hurdle of actually like accepting payment for your art <laughs> um yes. but yeah what advice would you share of course and I think I will go back to my point of showing your works outside of the gallery like white cube uh, space you can always partner with local businesses for example and offer them your art as an opportunity for you to have your show there and then they will be able to enjoy and their clients will be able to enjoy your works so there is an opportunity to always get more eyes into your works when it's in a 
public or like store, restaurant, coffee shop, whatever you have access to. Um, just make sure you can, um, again, sign a little contract, make sure that everyone knows that the work and all the rights belong to you as an artist, that every sales um, will go through you or through them and who makes what. Um, in terms of online sales in general, uh, making sure that you're promoting your work, whether on social media, if you are able to start building your newsletter list, I think that's the golden, that's the key these days. Because people in general, whether you sell on your own or from my personal experience, people, your collectors want to feel special. They like to get the newsletters where you just share something. Maybe you just went on a trip or you had an art residency and you're just writing about all the beautiful views you saw, like all the white sand, beach, whatever it is. And something that anyone can experience on a personal level. So you show that you're a human being. You share a little bit of your life beyond your studio, or you can talk about what you're inspired by and what you're working on in your studio. And then also you need to share that on social media and newsletters that you're an expert in what you're doing, because people want to trust that you use high quality materials, that you know what you're working with, what are your concept themes. And after that, you can sell a little bit. Um, from my personal experience, making a collection is usually better and releasing a collection um, is beneficial versus releasing a painting after a painting because people will think, oh, I'll wait for the next one. Oh, I will wait for the next one. And then they might just like pivot and uh, do their own things without going back to your newsletters or your Instagram page. But releasing a collection and sending an advanced preview to your email list is usually a really great strategy Again, to make people special, that you're the first one to see this works. And then they're going to live on my website in like five days or so. So if you like something, get it, acquire it before it gets public, something like that. Yes, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the studio sale approach as well with releasing collections throughout the year because it does build up that anticipation. And I agree. I think that when you email marketing, I always say like it's the key to sales because it really is. <laughs> um, and, and I love what you said about, you know, just finding ways to make your collectors and your, your newsletter subscribers feel special because just from them signing up for your newsletter shows that they're invested in you and your journey. So giving them opportunities to, um, you know, be like shop your work ahead of time, as you mentioned, sending the collector's preview, opening your shop early for them. Um, I love that. And, and every artist that I have spoken with or that I know personally who is a full-time artist and is either represented by a gallery or they do all the, the selling and, um, promotion themselves, or a lot of times it's a combination of both, but they all say the same thing, which is finding ways to cultivate the relationships with your collectors in ways that feel genuine. I'm thinking of Jessica Labor. Jessica, if you're listening, <laughs> we're highlighting you for a moment. She's amazing. And she talks a lot about this. I mean, she even, we've had her on the podcast, but she talks about how sometimes she'll even do collectors dinners where she'll like have a dinner at her house for her local collectors and she'll release a new collection that evening and she'll center the food on like the theme of the, the collection. And, and I've seen photos. It's, you know, they're so beautiful and they're so thoughtful. And I think that's what it comes down to is like being thoughtful and intentional with your approach because people feel that energy and it 
really does help to build investment. And also it's just like a beautiful thing. (laughs) I love that. But I also wanted to mention one thing about when you said studio sales and I'm the person to always say, never discount your works publicly (laughs) never never promote like you can say that studio like uh, new collection release don't even call it sales because people right away think that you will put like 15 20 i've seen artists do 60 and sometimes 80 percent off and it just hurts me so much to see those because you're not um it's not just for you but you're affecting like the whole industry in general um if you need to do discounts for all the artists listening just first and foremost try to think about an add-on service that you can offer instead of a discount whether it can be free shipping if it's lower than for example 10 percent, you can always do like cover 50 percent of the shipping same goes to the framing maybe you will um offer a collector free framing of 50 percent for the frame things like that And also think about the industry professionals, because most of the time when you work with an art advisor, they are entitled to 10% commission most of the time. So keep in mind that you, if you work with someone like that and they ask for like 20, 30, 50, you can always say no. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. And it's true. When I teach selling your art, I always say, I'm going to say, like when I talk to the artist, I'm like, I'm going to say studio sale when I talk to you because it rolls off the tongue. But if you, anytime you're selling your work or promoting it publicly, collection release, it's a collection release. It's not a studio sale. Um, But you know, like conversationally, it's just like, but I, I totally agree because you've got to value your work. You've got to believe in the value of your work. And it's funny, my, so my dad, he, it, it makes me think of him because he, you know, has spent his whole life building, building businesses and helping businesses to grow. So in my 12 week course for artists, I always bring him in for like a little, I don't even want to say it's a pep talk because he shares really powerful strategies. It's so much more than a pep talk. But one thing he emphasizes in his presentation is like, you've got to believe in the value of your work. And he, he always says, and it makes me laugh at the, the way that he says it, but it's so true. And he's like, anytime you discount your work, it's a slippery slope down. And I'm like, dad, I love you so <laughs> much. It. But it's so true, you know, because he's like, listen, you ha- you've got to believe in this. You've got to value this. And you've got to make sure that other people, other people will only see the value in what you create if you see it first, you know? And it took me, I think, in my art career a little while to really not just know that conceptually, because I think many of us know that on a conceptual level, but to really feel that and to really lean into that and then to act accordingly. So I appreciate yeah, you sharing I totally that. agree agree with you. And from my personal experience, like I do have a lot of passionate collectors who acquired, because I have one, she acquired eight pieces from me over the years from different artists. So she has a mini cafe gallery collection in her home. And she was the one who never asked for a discount. She really enjoyed the experience and my curation of what works well for her space. And then I had a client recently, not long ago, like right away I knew it's going to be a tough one so she asked for a discount right away even though I knew she can pay full price and then the piece itself it wasn't that expensive and then when she received it after like a month or so without even opening she reached out and say it's not an original piece it's a print and I'm like really 
how how on earth you can't see that it's an original painting. You can see the paint and everything, and she asked for a refund, and I'm like, okay, let's work it out. It's been a month. Like, you had time to open it up. Um, I offered her a credit. Like, if that's the piece that you don't like, that's fine with me. Like, I'm happy to find something else, and she just disappeared. But, like, this feeling of someone who right away, like, asks for a discount is very pushy. Like, you can feel that there's it's going to be a difficult one. Yeah, absolutely. And it's got to feel good both ways. And I, I share that with artists too. I'm like, if someone really feels that strong emotional connection to your work, they're not going to be negotiating your prices down and you shouldn't allow that either. And that it just all comes back to knowing the value and also trusting that the right collectors are going to pay. In fact, I will share with you, you will appreciate this. There's an artist in my in my community membership. We were just starting the session by sharing like highlights and updates. And she shared with me that her work, she might even be listening to this episode, who knows? Um, but she shared with me that with the group that um, she just sold a painting at a gallery here in Brooklyn. And the payment came through as double. So she assumed, as one would, that it was like an accounting error. And it turns out the collector paid double because they said when they bought the piece, like, this should be, you know, double what it, this is worth double and I'm going to pay twice as much for it. And that for her, it just felt so good that someone would do that. And it felt so reaffirming. And I was just like, it was such a beautiful moment. Like, I honestly, I, I feel like all the warm and fun when she shared it, the entire group was like, that's such amazing news. And even just telling you now, I, I'm so happy to hear that. And it's just such a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's an amazing story. And also talking about the prices in general, um, don't look at the prices in your own city, for example, and just say that that's the only way for me to price my work is be very close to the artists working in my city and I can go higher. I have to be like in the middle of what's selling in the area. But again, like I am based in Toronto, Canada, and our prices in Canada in general is way lower than in the States. And for me, it hurts a lot to see how beautiful artwork from local artists are devalued based on what I can see other artists for pricing in the States. And then artists in the States might look at the artists in Europe or Middle East or wherever and also say, oh, my prices are too low. I don't know how to price them at all. Like you just need basically to find the formula of like, what's your prices? Never go down. Like that's my advice. Never go down. If you want to price it just a bit higher so you can account any like shipping fees that you might absorb or things like that, that you can still make profit You can do that, but never underestimate your talent. Never. Yes. And I think this is really important for women artists too. I've worked with women artists. I've also worked with male artists. And I find that male artists um, typically don't have any trouble pricing their work really high. They'll be like, Victoria, this piece is 5,000 or this piece is 10,000. And they say, even if they're like emerging or early career, they say it with such confidence. And there are women artists I work with that also speak that way about their work. But I, if I had to generalize, I would say like I am typically with the, the amazing women artists that I you know get to work with, am encouraging them, if anything, to like price a little bit higher. Yeah, definitely. Like I've worked with some artists who are just like, for example, moving to a different style, works on paper. 
and they will price their pieces below a hundred. And I was like, no way, <laughs> this can be even shown anywhere. Like you need to make sure. And they were also framed with plexiglass. So there's oh, so much work involved. So making sure that you're paying yourself, but you're also, you don't send the message to the collector that there is something wrong with the piece that it's so cheap. Yes. And that is the message you send when you price too low. So it's, yeah, knowing the value, pricing accordingly and think, and, and approaching your work like a professional, you know, and exactly, it's really important. Well, Lisa, as we start to wrap up this amazing converse and very insightful conversation, I feel like you're such a well of, of knowledge and wisdom. I'd love to just ask you like you know it's we're recording this at the beginning of 2024 so do what do you have coming up this year anything exciting that you'd like to share with us anything on the horizon yeah so this year for me I'm trying to travel more so I'm hoping just to travel to maybe more fairs share that with the artists and talk more about what I feel and whether fairs are worth doing um, based on what I see. I'm also planning to do a course for the artists. I've been dreaming to do it for the last five years. So dates to be determined, but hopefully by May, I will be able to release one. Um, And in general, just continue assisting artists selling artworks and maybe one day soon doing a physical show, whether it's in Toronto, somewhere outside of Toronto, maybe New York, who knows, but just want to share art with the world and show my passion and the passion of all of the amazing artists I work with. Oh, incredible. You're doing so much great work and definitely let us know when the course comes out. We'd be happy to share it and promote it on our channels as well. Um, and where can our amazing listeners learn more about your work and how, if they want to work with you or book a session or le- just learn more, where can they get that info? So my nickname, as you mentioned, Curator on the Go. So all of my social media website will be under Curator on the Go. Um, And there is a lot of information about my coaching on my website and also my Curator on the Go podcast, where you can learn uh, from other artists I interview and art professionals on the business side of the industry. Just the easiest way will be basically to reach out on Instagram. I'm mostly there all the time. Um, just introduce yourself, share your um, artwork with me. I was on a hunt for new talents. And I'm currently also doing um, a virtual show for Kathy. So from time to time, I do online shows. So um, stay tuned for the next one um, and hope we will be able to work with you, with the artist listening one way or another, whether it's for show, consultation, whatever you need. I'm here to assist you. Wonderful. So exciting. And oh my goodness, this was again, just an amazing episode. Such a pleasure to have you on. And thank you so much, Lisa, for being here. And thank you everyone for tuning in. We will see you next time. Thank you for tuning in and supporting our platform. To learn more about New Visionary Magazine, head over to visionaryartcollective.com slash magazine. You can order individual copies on Amazon or subscribe annually to digital issues. We also have opportunities to get featured in the magazine, so be sure to join our newsletter and follow us on Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes or tag us on Instagram. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.